to episode 3 of Time to Go Titans. My name is Autumn June. I am your host as always, and with me as always is my co-host, Nora Blake. Yeah. You might, in this episode, hear some dishes getting done. That's just because of an unfortunate coincidence in recording times. I don't think it's... We recorded a little bit and listened back to it. We could not hear many dishes getting done, but hopefully it will be fine for you the listener and if not i'll catch you next week on episode four um cyborg is human raven is plural end of episode yep we're gonna get sued <laughs> we're also gonna get sued by dc because i just use the actual ass teen titans music in this show because i've never bothered to think of different music to use Nightcore. Teen Titans Nightcore. Do you think? I bet that exists, right? Teen Titans Ska. Uh, okay, do you want me to look up Teen Titans Nightcore or Teen Titans Ska? I, Teen Titans ska. Nightcore is more well, likely to exist. If you click Nightcore, we won't be able to tell the fucking difference. Uh-huh. Okay, Teen Titans Nightcore Definitely. does exist, yeah. for sure. Also comes with an epilepsy warning on that video. Cool, sick, love it. Teen Titans Ska... Yeah, it looks like it. Do I just do I just click this? Yeah, sure. Do I just sure? <laughs> is it computer is really loud right now? I'm turning the computer down. Oh right, there's a ska episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's a ska episode. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Teen Titans and the Mad Mod. Okay. Hi, Nora. Hi. We, uh, before we started recording, like, made content plans, and I've forgotten what they are. You read any comics this week? Did I read any comics this week? I read a couple. I read a few few issues. Stealing formats. Did you read any comics this week? (laughs) Did you watch any anime this week? (laughs) Uh, I read a couple issues of Hellboy, which were... Very good, but it uh, doesn't really have much to do with this podcast. Um, comics. Comics is comics. I just don't, I don't have anything to say about Hellboy. There's a, the other thing about Hellboy is that there's nothing to say about it. I did a really funny joke about Hellboy like two weeks ago, and I can't top it, and that's the only good joke about Hellboy, and it's just for you? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> there are other people who will get that, but other people... <laughs> like Atomic Robo more than I do, so other people will feel your joke was (laughs) mean-spirited. I don't know that... Anyway, the joke was that um, only one person thinks that Hellboy is well-written, and that person is Brian Clevenger. (laughs) Um, The thing about Hellboy Mm -hmm. is that, one, Hellboy is great, and two, Hellboy has been the same thing since the 90s. So there's nothing to say about Hellboy except... Have you read Hellboy? Do you like Hellboy? No, and yeah, I don't me know. too. <laughs> I've been told I should watch those movies. Uh, you would really like the movies. This is what I've been told. You would really like the Del Toro movies. Um, I don't know that you would like the comics. The comics have no, a very different, have like uh, almost noir, like a noir adventure. As reference, I don't like Atomic Robo. Yes. So. <laughs> you don't like Atomic Robo, but good. 
I like Atomic Robo too. I don't know why I'm dunking on Atomic Robo. I own two collections of Atomic Robo. My only frustration with Atomic Robo is that um, I don't want to play the Atomic Robo RPG. And when we played Fate in my old group, that's kind of the only Fate we played was the Atomic Robo version. We can't, We played, like, Spirit of the Century once or twice, but primarily it seemed like we just stuck to the Atomic Robo version, which is fine, but not really media that I like, so. Yeah. But the thing, I did read another comic. I also it's read, great like, that Atomic Robo exists. Like, the guy who made 8-Bit Theater got to write real comics. <laughs> Uh, I also read, like, one volume of Dragon Ball. Um, that's not super applicable, and I don't have much to say about it either. I might bring that up on... Uh, Goku's a superhero. ...export at some point. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog is a superhero. No. I'm going to start reading those IDW Sonic comics I soon. think that Sonic the Hedgehog is not a superhero. Sonic the Hedgehog is a superhero. What is Sonic's mundane life? What is trying to think of another superhero that doesn't have a mundane life just to prove you wrong? <laughs> what is Raven's mundane life? Meditating. That's not. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> Raven doesn't have an alter ego. She's always Raven. That's not true. Okay. Well, at least she's Rachel she's... Roth. Okay. Well, in this television show we watch she's always yeah. and so you don't see robin outside of the uniform either <laughs> anyway are you telling me that dick grayson doesn't have a mundane life <laughs> dick grayson does not have a man life mundane life because he's, he's out there getting dicked down every night <laughs> that's not mundane <laughs> he lives a very exciting lifestyle of just all sorts of sex with men in my head I thought you were talking about Starfire. I mean, also that. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give you an idea of the energy that we have right now, um, one of our core um, takeaways from... One of our core takeaways from this batch of episodes is that Beast Boy probably thinks that bottoming is Praxis. Yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um... No, the thing I read that actually pertains to the uh, TV show that we watch is Super Sons, which is, I don't have a ton to say about it, but I'll just kind of like tell the listeners what it is and just kind of broadly recommend it. Super Sons is a pretty recent comic. It is post-rebirth and um, it is about Damian Wayne, uh, who is um, Batman's son, and John Kent, who is Superman's son. Um, it's just a team-up book with those two kids, um, and, like, Batman is there from the future? That's in a different, okay. There's, that's in a different thing. There's Super Sons, and then there's Super Sons of Tomorrow. I haven't got to Super Sons of Tomorrow yet. I don't know what that is, other than one little seed was planted for it in the last volume. Hmm. Um, so I will... Maybe tell you about Super Sons of Tomorrow next time we're here. Tomorrow, maybe. No, I won't read it that fast. Um, yeah. Was it? See, I was doing. I was doing a joke. A joke. A joke. Jokes. Yes. Anyway, um, uh-huh. Super Sons. It is just. It is incredibly sweet and fun. Um, I don't think. I don't think the plots are that great. 
But if you like, if you like to just read um, two issues of a superhero story that are like just one little arc, like if you like Teen Titans as a like episodic television program where they fight a villain this week and then they fight another villain next week and those two and the, things have nothing to do with each and other, and then in between they like bicker. Yeah, that's the main sell. The plots are fine. Bad guy shows up, they beat up bad guy. Life goes on. The 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 reason that you read Super Sons is because, like, John and Damien have this incredible dynamic where they're just constantly bickering children with one another. It is a very Superman move to name your kid John. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and that boy grew up to be Spartan 117. I don't know... <laughs> I don't know. Why did that hit you so I don't well? know. I don't know what, um, I don't know what Pa Kent's name is. Pa, it, John might be named after Superman's dad, for all I know. His name is Pa. His name is not Pa. <laughs> <laughs> it might, it also could be, like, a Jor-El thing. Jor-El? Jor-El is Superman's Krypton dad. Krypton dad? Yeah. So Jor-El is Superman's bio dad, and John Kent, or... Yeah, Jonathan Kent is... I think that's... It's Jonathan Kent. Yeah. Jonathan is um, Superman's, like, dad-dad. Like, the dad who raised him. You know? Um, But yeah, it's a very sweet book. Um, The dynamic between Superboy and Robin is just really, really cute. I could read a hundred issues of just them, like, hating each other, but then they team up in the end, and... um, do a do it good, you know. They like mm-hmm. they beat up the bad guy because they put aside their differences. I could just read that forever. Um, and um, the other thing about this book is that I think um, the art really snuck up on me with how good it is. Um, the main artist on this series was uh, Jorge Jimenez. Um, there are a couple fill-in artists here and there. Um, all of them are doing kind of like DC house style. Like, it doesn't look unique, but I am a person who does not usually like that um, style of art. I usually do not like that. But I think um, Jimenez and the fill-in artists are generally doing a really good job of that style. Like, they just make that um, pretty standard style look really great on the page i think uh good layouts um good character work just all all that sort of stuff and so that that's that snuck up on me because i thought i was going to be reading these books and like kind of wrestling with the art and feeling bored by the art and not liking it and it was pretty good so Mm -hmm. yeah i recommend uh super sons uh this is a sort of podcast where i'm just going to tell you to go to get comics.info or to buy them from you can just say go get comic go to get comics yeah and like time to get comics (laughs) you can this is the sort of show where i'm just going to endorse you stealing comics or buying them from an indie bookstore that if that's your vibe i'm not going to endorse comiXology on this show even though i'm also thinking about getting comiXology i will if they pay me to (laughs) (laughs) you blew out the mic that's fine. <laughs> uh, I also read a comic this week. You also read a comic this week. What did you read? I read the first volume of Raven, Daughter of Darkness. Okay. Which is not very 
good or interesting. I had read the standalone Raven graphic novel that was the new one that's like... I believe it's by Kim Garcia as the writer and the artist on that one. I don't have it in front of me. It's right upstairs. But um, it's the one that's in like the A A5 shape. Yeah. It's not like in a comic shape. It's in like a manga shape almost. No, it's... Almost. It's no. meant to evoke that without it's quite wider. being that. It's, it's like wider than that though. Yeah. Um, you know the one. It has her on the cover with the headphones. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about that one. I don't have much to say about that one. But it is better than this. So far, of the two Raven comics I've read, that's the best one. That is currently the best Raven comic ever written. If you're going <laughs> by the Blake scale. <laughs> um, so Daughter of Darkness is just kind of meandering and boring. And there's a guy in a robe in a manor looking at through the fucking flu powder to spy on Raven. Raven is... There's a girl with big eyes. It's called the girl with the anime eyes. And it's just this, like, faceless person with just these huge eyes. And she does illusion stuff. And then Raven is trying to figure out who she is and why she wants to kill her. And then there's, like, a whole bunch of other people with no face but just huge eyes. And they're all Trigon's children. And it's weird and rambly and not very interesting. And I probably won't read volume two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that, um, well, I, you know, I've never heard Raven talked about in the tone that implies that any of her standalone comics are very good, mm-hmm. which is a shame. If anyone has any to recommend, let me know, but... So, I specifically care about Raven, because she is my favorite. Yeah. I wonder, um, if you might get into Magic, which is spelled M-A-G-Y-K, uh... The Gathering? No. The phone buzzing in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I love to put my phone on silo while we record podcasts. Listen, you gotta talk about kinks online. Continue. Um, I'm not going to ask you to explain what that means on the podcast. Okay. Anyway, um, Magic Ilyana Rasputin is um, kind of the X-Men equivalent to... Um, like, Raven, and in the 80s, there's, like, a four-issue miniseries, I think. I thought the Marvel version of Raven was... I'm not saying the Marvel version... The Runaways ver- Girl. I'm not saying the Marvel version of okay. Raven. I'm saying the X-Men version of Raven. Because X-Men is, like, kind of its own corner of the, Mar- corner of the Marvel Universe. Is this... Uh... What's it? Is this a ploy to make me read comics written by that one X-Men guy that you love? No, but it is written by him. Um, yeah, Magic is a four-issue miniseries from um, the 80s or something, so I don't know if you would like it because it's from the 80s. But um, I am picky and baby about art. Yes, but it is like a story of like a very Raven-ish sort of thing where Ilyana um, ends up... like spending like 10 years in hell um like doing magic shit i haven't read it but i listened to the episode of jay and miles about it and it sounded excellent and i've been wanting to read it uh but i just haven't gotten there yet so it sounds like a thing you might enjoy sure maybe um as as i understand it daughter of darkness was written by marv wolfman in Mm -hmm. um like 2013 which um (laughs) 
Marv Wolfman was the Chris Claremont of DC in the 80s, and much like Chris Claremont in the 2010s, not quite so good as he used to be. Not which point bringing it home? Yeah, also, you read Judas Contract. I don't know that Marv Wolfman was that good in the 80s. No! <laughs> I wouldn't really say so. Uh, although, I don't think Raven was in that? Raven is in 80s Teen Titans. She might not be in Judas Contract, but she's no, in she, 80s. Sorry, Teen she was. She was just minor, minor and boring. Mm-hmm. I feel like people don't know how to write Raven. This is because comics is an industry dominated by men, and um, Raven's story, I think, is particularly feminine in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So I just don't trust men to write Ravenwell. We are also, as we'll talk about later, maybe projecting onto Raven a little bit. I mean, we're going to get there when we get to Nevermore, our yeah. second episode of the day. Do we want to launch into discussion of uh, yeah. these episodes? Um, these are some good episodes. Do you want to read the summaries, which we should have pulled up before now, except maybe you have them on your phone? I do not. You do not have them on your phone. I do n- I Look... Um, so I am going to find something else to talk about. I'm going to look at my comics folder for a minute and see what I want to read next that I might end up talking about on the podcast. I might read Legend of Wonder Woman, which was like a mini series from around the time the movie came out. What's Mage the Hero Discovered? Um, it's an old guy comic that I probably need to get rid of. Um, I don't know much about Mage the Hero Discovered, except that I like the art. Uh, that I've seen from it, but also that like all the um, all the like forty year old dudes who like comics talk about how rad Mage is. So I know what comic on here you should talk about on the podcast. Which what's that? Alley Cat. No, <laughs> no, I will not talk about the pornographic comic that I keep on my computer just to you know look at every now and then. You just gotta keep it handy. You gotta archive it. Yeah, that comic's great. It's good. Listen, if you like pornographic comics, let me tell you about Alley Cat. <laughs> it's good, and it's just cute cat girls. Like, who who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love cat girls? This is a pro cat girl podcast, which I think everyone listening already knows. Yes. So you wanted to talk about uh, episode three. We wanted to talk about episode, episode five. This is for episode five. Oh, this, this one. is episode three of Teen Titans, which we'll be covering episode. This is episode three of Time to Go Titans, which we'll be covering episodes five and six of Teen Titans. Oh, Teen Titans? Teen Titans? Go? Go. (laughs) (laughs) While playing football in the park, Cyborg suddenly shuts down. After rebooting, he tells the other Titans that his batteries are dying and requires recharging, but doesn't get the chance because the nefarious Mumbo is causing havoc in Jump City. Is Jump City the name of the Titan City? I guess so. Shit. Does it? I didn't know it had That's a Naruto's published. While facing him down, Cyborg's emergency batteries fall off and his inert body falls down into the underground depths of a junkyard. By the way, they... Not a huge explanation of that battery pack that he had tied to his back. No. Um, Titans believe Mumbo has kidnapped him, but he has instead been found by a strange machine called Fix-It, who doesn't share Cyborg's views of humanity. Instead, he... Instead, he believes it to be a flawed part of Cyborg's biology, one that he intends to correct with or without Cyborg's consent. And then the summary just stops, and there's nothing else written, because well, it's probably from the back of a DVD box. Probably. Um, after this, 
they they spend a couple minutes arguing and Cyborg's like, no, I'm a human, I'm good. And Fix-It's like, no, you're a human, you're bad. And then Cyborg, like, has fond memories about eating with his friends and Fix-It's all like, oh, human memories, friendship, love, what are these things? And then the opera singer kicks in and a giant tower of fucking who knows what pulls out of okay. the... Okay, you... <laughs> You interrupting my summary uh-huh. to make a near automata joke without context because we were making near automata jokes before we started recording <laughs> the podcast. It's bad podcasting to just to make a joke that no one will understand without the context of a thing that was No, that's just how I do things. <laughs> yeah, but what have I ever been good at this? I'm gonna finish my summary and okay. then we will get to the near automata jokes. Okay. <laughs> Because all I needed to say was that he's overwhelmed by the concept of human love and, like, Cyborg, like, convinces him to, you know, see value in humanity and then the Titans show up and Cyborg's like, actually, I kind of already handled it. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we made jokes about how thematically this is similar to Nier Automata because that's funny. But only 20 minutes long, which makes it objectively better than Nier Automata. <laughs> <laughs> Nier Automata is good. I don't know yeah, what you but want short from things me. are better. I don't know why you've decided you hate Nier Automata so much. I didn't decide this. This was the destiny that was chosen for me. <laughs> I like Nier. I, I don't just know didn't. You... Who would have thought the thing everyone else found overwhelmingly sad didn't hit me the way it hit everyone else, and I just kind of meandered through it? This has never happened with any other form of media ever before. There are a lot of criticisms of Nier Automata. Like that, um, it is, it is just overwrought is exactly the word I was about to use. Um, it is just beating you over the head with sad things Mm -hmm. and like, maybe like if anyone ever laughed in that game, any of the sad stuff would actually feel more impactful. I feel like there's a, there's like a very slight effort given during the dinner scenes with Adam and Eve. But other than that, yeah, like (laughs) There's no light in that game at all, which makes all the darkness just too much. And your criticisms that the lore is totally incomprehensible. I say that as if you're the only person who cares about it. The lore is totally incomprehensible. But, um, like, not in a fun way? Like, in a way that is, like, antagonistic to the interpreta- interpretation experience. All of these criticisms of Nier Automata are valid. All of my friends who dislike uh-huh. Nier Automata... I understand why. I don't dislike Nier Automata. I had a good time playing it. But you always talk like you hate it. Because I have to contrast with just... Everyone loves that. So I, I, I un- in, in order to get attention, I have to pretend like I hate it. <laughs> also, you like it, which means that I am cute when I act like I hate the thing you like. I think that's how flirting works. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm glad that you've turned into me at a 16-year-old boy. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> These chicken wings are pretty decent. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, I was saying pretty decent when I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying it when you were 23. <laughs> um... I, we're engaged. Anyway. We're gonna get married. <laughs> anyway, there are a lot of criticisms near automata. 
I still like it, despite all I'm of those. And like all it. of all of my arguments against those criticisms are, yes, but I like it. Also, I would clarify that I don't find the lore incomprehensible. I find the ABC plot structure of the events happening in the time span of the game to be incomprehensible. Also fair. The lore is actually pretty approachable if you just read these... Um, Novellas in these stage plays. Like, I got really into the Dragon Guard lore in the, like, lead up to Nier Automata. Anyway. There's a time traveling girl in that series. If it sounds like we are not that interested in talking about episode 5 of Teen Titans, it's because I'm not terribly interested in talking about episode 5 of Teen Titans. Except that one part. There's one bit, um, which, as a person with Crohn's disease, really hit hard for me. Where, um, Cyborg, they're, they're all hanging out in the park. They're having a good day. Um, they're having a picnic. They're, they're playing football. Grilling. And Cyborg's battery starts to die. And, um, you know, his friends are all like, oh, what can we do to help you? And Cyborg's like, there's nothing you can do. I'm just going to go home and be sick for a little bit. And just because I can't, the thing he says is, just because I can't have fun doesn't mean you all can't. And, like, yeah, that is a thing I relate to as a person with Crohn's, of just, like, oh, I was having a great time, and then, like, I started having symptoms of my lifelong disease, and, like, I want you all to keep having a good time. I'm going to go to the other room and feel sick now. Mm-hmm. You know? Unfortunately, you can't just, like, replace your batteries and be okay. Yeah. For another couple years. Yeah. As... These things go for that, support. That that one little moment... The hit, delivery was, like, pretty good. Yeah, that one moment hit really hard. And then right after it is a moment... Um, right after it is a moment where uh, a kid runs up to Cyborg. And like, Cyborg, I love you. You're so cool. Look, I have a prosthetic. I'm just like you. And I think the writers intend for that to be the big moment in that episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for someone else it is. I thought that moment was a little, like, overdone a little sure. bit. Of, like, we get it. Like, we get it. You know? But, yeah, it's like, the part of it being, like, a chronic illness is more impactful than the part of it being, uh, like, I don't know. That that felt like they put more effort into that than they did the part with the hand. Uh-huh. It, like, the delivery on that line was stronger, and the scene with the kid was so brief that it was, like... <laughs> Yeah. I know they probably did intend for that to be the focal point, but it doesn't shine as bright as the other line. I also think, um, to give them some credit, if I'm six years old yes, and watching this and I have a prosthetic or I'm in a wheelchair, like, maybe I don't... Maybe five episodes into the show, I haven't seen myself in Cyborg yet. It is kind of cool that five episodes into the show, they're saying... We want to give kids with disabilities in these certain ways something they can relate to in the show. And mm-hmm. we were going to explicitly draw that line that maybe, like, an older audience implicitly understands, but a younger audience doesn't quite see how, like, Cyborg is similar to them. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's a good I think that's a good thing in the show to have, you know, in sure. so far as it is a show for children, you know? Yeah. The rest of the show, or the rest of the episode, um... The ma- the main crew in a B plot kind of dicks around with mumbo jumbo, mumbo. Do we want to talk about mumbo? Okay, um, mumbo 
is a little bit of an anti-Semitic caricature. <laughs> Just a little bit. And then he stops he's, being blue and he looks like got, a human and you're like, hmm, okay. He got blue skin and a big nose and then... And the hair. And the hair. And then he stops being blue, but he still has the, the big nose and the hair. Mm -hmm. And somehow it's more anti-Semitic once he... Because you can't just say, oh, he's magic. He just looks like this when he's, he's an magic. Elf, I guess. Yeah. No, he looks like... It's a little bit of an... I don't think it's quite so bad as, like, the goblins in Harry Potter, but it's... No, no. Yeah, It is it's, not nearly as bad as some of the other things that we've, like, talked about. Or, like, so just things you might have seen that people have drawn yeah. attention to that. It's, like... There's, like... You can, you can almost, like, be, like, maybe they didn't know. Maybe someone just drew a blue, a funny-looking blue guy and, like, didn't think about it, but it it seems bad. He's voiced by Spongebob. Yeah, he's he's voiced by Tom Kinney, who's just doing the Spongebob voice. It's no, really distracting. he's not doing the Spongebob voice. It's very close, though. Because <laughs> Tom Kinney actually has a lot of range, like, mm -hmm. if you see him in other yeah. things. This is, like... He voices other characters in Spongebob. Yeah, Tom Kinney has a lot of range, actually, but there are... A handful of voices he does that are like just close they enough to SpongeBob through, yeah. that yeah. you like you can't hear anything but SpongeBob. Mm -hmm. it, he did a very good job of not making his laugh sound too much like SpongeBob's laugh. Yes, it, when it would have been very easy to. <laughs> um, that is episode five. Empire Strikes Back. Is there? We didn't talk about Fix It at all. I, I Fix It know. tries to like take. Cyborg's human parts away from him, and Cyborg's He's like, also I like... organic underneath the robe. Yeah. I thought this stuff was not terribly engaging, and I th I think the writers probably thought it tied into the early stuff about chronic illness and, like, disability, and I didn't think it did, really. Usually that's a different thing. Usually yeah. talking about humanity versus synthetics is a different like yeah. theme than talking about it's a it, cybernetics as prosthetics or as like yeah assistive technology it's like a slightly different metaphor and because it's like a like if the whole ups if there had been some preamble about cyborg's humanity maybe that stuff would work better the, the point of it is that he doesn't feel very human mm -hmm. according to the episode description on your plex server um <laughs> not that anyone was like saying he wasn't yeah. And Yeah, the meta the two metaphors don't yeah, quite line they're up. They're adjacent, but they don't cross in the in the way that you would want. And there's not quite enough action for it to be engaging, you know? It's just goofy hijinks with Mumbo. Yeah. Which is my next podcast. Um <laughs> Also Mumbo Jumbo is a different racist caricature in a different franchise. Sure. I was I believe that. I was thinking about for a second, because Mumbo is the magician in this show. Mumbo Jumbo is the uh, is the racist character from uh, Banjo Kazooie. You know that. Isn't this character also named Mumbo Jumbo? It might be. I don't know. I thought. I don't. Th I don't think he's called Mumbo Jumbo. I think he's just called Mumbo the magician or something. So Mumbo Jumbo theory. It's like a bigger yeah. Mumbo. Any <laughs> anyway, um, I actually do really like Mumbo in future episodes, like. He plays a very similar role to Magic Man in Adventure Time, which you don't like or know Adventure Time at all. 
Uh, I watched one episode of Adventure Time once, and I was like, this is extremely not for me, and then I didn't watch any more of it, and I never thought about it, talked about it, or looked at it for, like, six years. Magic Man in Adventure Time is just sort of a mystical dickhead, and he just shows up at the beginning of an episode and, like, casts a spell and then leaves for ten minutes, and, like... I really like that about Magic Man, and I think Mumbo has a very similar quality in future episodes mm-hmm. of just being... Wizards have no sense of right and wrong. We know this. Yeah. He is just a wizard who's also a shithead, and he doesn't have mm-hmm. much of a deal other than being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it is time now, I've put it off long enough, to read TV Tropes. Um, down at the bottom of the page here, I'm seeing that this is the 13th TV Tropes page I viewed this month without uh, having ads on. Um, I'm about to make it my 14th. You won't get my <laughs> yeah, ass. <there> you go. <laughs> TV tropes. I'm not turning off my ad blocker. <laughs> tropes for this episode. Ask a stupid question. Do I still have to go to jail? Provided by Mumbo after the Titans realize he didn't kidnap Cy- Cyborg. They just stare at him. Big no. Cyborg lets out a series of them as Fixit covers his human face with a metal mask, planning to upgrade him into a full robot. Chekhov's gun. Cyborg memory. Cyborg's memories of the lovely day in the park ends up making Fixit realize that he has lost his humanity and the the ability to feel. I don't think that's a Chekhov's gun. <laughs> I don't think you see friends having fun together and think, "Oh, that gun is above the mantelpiece now." <laughs> Also, do you want to talk about uh, Starfire being trans? Starfire being trans? Oh. <laughs> there's a, there's I a, said it that way to jog your memory, but... There's a bit in the early part of the episode uh, where, like, so Starfire is just, like, drinking mustard. Mm-hmm. And that's not, like... There's, like, jokes about how all trans girls love pickle juice, and this is just, like, a joke I'm a that person who is just done a shot of soy sauce like for this, the salt. This is like the sort of joke that goes around, and I, as far as I know, all trans girls love mustard is not a thing. I certainly don't love mustard. I don't like mustard. I'm, well, I do like mustard with specific sausages. But there was just a... <laughs> <laughs> I meant like worsts. I, I, there's no joke that goes around about trans girls loving mustard, but like I don't know. Something about it just reminded me of, like... It was like, the same energy, yeah. It was the same energy. I really want to, like, grab that and just, like, Make MS it. paint it <laughs> so that it's pickle juice instead of mustard. <laughs> um, anyway. Color failure. Justified. When Cyborg's battery gives out, the blue of his cybernetics turn gray, as does his red eye. You know what a justified trope is? Yeah, I know what a justified trope is. It's a trope in the television show Justified. <laughs> <laughs> Continuity cameos. Cyborg's conversation with the little boy with the prosthetic is adapted from this exact scene in the comics. I've read that scene before. It's... Yeah. Uh, Cybernetics eat your soul. Implied to have happened with Fix-It. Later inverted when seeing and feeling Cyborg's memory reminds him what it was like to be human. But he wasn't human because he was like a weird slug thing. I must have tuned out by this part of the episode because I don't remember him being a weird slug a thing. Green, That's rad. There's a green slug thing, I think, underneath the robe. I was not paying attention during this Pretty part sure of the he episode. Wasn't human. Anyway, a day in the limelight for Cyborg. Defeat by modesty. Fixit's defeat plays off of this. Uh, plays off as this. Defeat means friendship. 
Fix-It realizes that he has forgotten the good parts of being human and decides that he is the one in need of repairs. He accepts Cyborg's offer to help for that, to be properly human again. It's really hard reading aloud. Mm-hmm. Easily forgiven, Cyborg offers Fix-It assistance in regaining his humanity after nearly f facing a forced upgrading. Ineffectual, sympathetic villain, Mumbo. Not very sympathetic. That's why he's ineffectual. No. Oh, I thought he was saying he's... he's ineffectual and sympathetic. I, I like, thought he was saying he's ineffectual <clears throat> at being sympathetic. No. Okay. That would be ineffectually sympathetic. Mood Whiplash. While this is a staple for the series, it really stands out here, where one is given the chilling plotline of Cyborg losing his humanity alongside the comical plotline of the Titans chasing Mumbo. What is that icon next to the word chilling? Uh, it's a your mileage may vary icon. Oh. It looks like a car door. It may or may not actually be chilling, depending on whether or not you are six years old when you are watching I this. I forgot that they have, like, subjectivity markers on TV <laughs> tropes. Yes. They put all of the subjective tropes on a different page, by the way. If you want to, like, get the full experience, we can read all the pages. No! <laughs> no ontological inertia. What does that mean? <laughs> When Mumbo's wand is broken, all his magics cease to exist, which is why the Titans realize he hasn't gotten Cyborg. It's when you undo, like, stuff by, you know, you break the thing and then all of the zombies become not zombies anymore, you know? Not me this time. From Robin's point of view, it looks to him like Mumbo kidnapped Cyborg. The Titans spend the entire episode chasing the wrong villain. When they finally catch him and demand to know what he did with Cyborg, he has no idea what they're talking about. Not so different. The kid that Cyborg meets in the beginning squeeze about how Cyborg is his favorite titan because they both have prosthetics. Cyborg doesn't think much of it until the end. He tells the kids they are not so different because of what's inside them. <laughs> Fix it was once human like Cyborg, but he upgraded himself. Once he sees Cyborg's memories, however, he decides to regain his humanity with Cyborg's help. Pet the dog. Cyborg plays football with the kid that idolizes him at the end of the episode. That's child, not a dog. I feel like this is not... <laughs> Why not MMV on this pet the dog? I don't know. <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> Punctuated for emphasis. Robin to Mumbo. Where is Cyborg? Who is Slade? Who is Slade? Who is Slade? Who is Slade? Visual pun. Some of Mumbo's spells come off, of the, come off as this. Well-intentioned extremist. Ooh, don't love this trope. Do want to click it and just find all the examples of that one. Let me tell you about Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Fix-It wants to repair Cyborg and does it free of charge, but he wants to get rid of the biological components so that Cyborg will never be weak again. But his weakness in this episode is caused by his mechanical components, not his organic components. <gasps> I'm just... That's not part of the page. I was just like, what are you talking about? This doesn't... Wham shot. Cyborg pulls away Fix-It's cloak while struggling to escape. He sees that Fix-It's skeleton is completely robotic. Oh, right! He's like a slime with... He's like a green thing. Yeah, he is a slime. Okay. I said slug. Slug. He's like a weird little green turd. Yeah, he is. I <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. This so... episode's not very memorable. Not really. Episode 6, you want to talk about a memorable episode. <clears throat> episode 6 is the best episode of Teen Titans. So far. It is the best so far. I think it will be topped. I don't think so. 
Number six. <laughs> you can't just say something will be topped. On. It's just, you can't. During a battle with Dr. Light, Raven loses control of her powers, which makes the Titans worried. Later, Beast Boy and Cyborg go to Raven's room to apologize. But that skips over why they're apologizing. Mm -hmm. Beast Boy annoys her at breakfast, and then he goes to apologize, and then Cyborg knocks down the door by accident, and then he has to apologize too. So they go inside her room. Um, and Beast Boy discovers a strange-looking mirror which sucks him and Cyborg into an alternate realm where they meet various... Emoticlones, it says, capitalized with an E. Emoticlones. I love emoticlones. The different emotions and personal personality traits of Raven. Unbeknownst to them, they've stumbled in upon a portal into Raven's mind which causes an adverse effect on Raven. Raven enters the realm and finds Beast Boy and Cyborg just as her anger appears in the form of her father, Trigon. Her anger appears. I did a weird impression. Yeah, yeah I, I knew what you meant, but yeah. Raven fuses with her other emoticlones to take down her father. The ordeal brings Raven closer with Beast Boy and Cyborg, who stay beside her as she fought as she fought her anger. Uh, also, listed under villains in this episode are Dr. Light and Raven's Anger, which Raven's Anger is a great name. If you click it, it just goes to the Wikipedia page for Trigon. Good. First of all, I love the idea of Trigon being another headmate. Like, mm. I know that it's literally Trigon, but it would be fun to, like, have her anger personified as her dad, as, like, a character trait. Mm-hmm. That would just be a, a fun, like, uh, character beat of, like, this is what she thinks of anger. Um, so I want to dig into this episode. Before we do, mm -hmm. I just wanted to share a little thing that happened to me that, like, really fucking caught me off guard, uh, which is that um, this show came out in 2003, and so Dr. Light is in this episode. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> From Mega Man. Not Dr. Not that Dr. Light. Dr. Light, uh, there's a really bad comic out there. We're not going to go in-depth on it here, but there's a <clears throat> really bad comic out there called Identity Crisis where Dr. Light... Rapes a bunch of people, and then the Justice League, like, wipe his brain or something. It's been a couple years since I've read it. It's horrific. Um, and it was just very weird, because this came out before Identity Crisis. So I was like, oh my god, why is that guy here? <laughs> I was like, because... Because he's just, like, a ra another another random villain. Yeah, he's just... they have lots of those in the yeah, show. Yeah, he's literally just, like, a punching bag in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um... I couldn't tell you for sure, but I would wager that guy doesn't show up in Teen Titans Go because probably DC really wants to do as little referencing Dr. Light in children's television shows as mm -hmm. they can after Identity Crisis. So that was just a weird little weird little thing that just happened in this television show I'm, that I, took me off guard. I'm just going to Google Emoticlone. <laughs> See if it comes up with anything else. Uh, I want to know if that's like an official term. They might have been named this in Teen Titans Go. That makes sense. Because um, it did pull up a bunch of Teen Titans Go stuff when I searched for it. Also, there's this... What? Are these other characters from other things? What? 
I I think you are opening a, a Google rabbit hole that you can't actually go down on the podcast. I'm going to stop you here. Um, so last episode was near Automata. Sorry. Okay, you're I, continuing I, to go down the rabbit hole that I asked okay, you to stop going down. It seems like in Teen Titans Go, there's an episode where Starfire gets emoticlones. Okay. I don't know if that's where that name comes from, but anyway. The last episode was near Automata. This episode is Kingdom Hearts. I love Kingdom Hearts. I fucking love Kingdom Hearts. I love Kingdom Hearts. They go into Raven's brain, and they meet all her nobodies and <laughs> her heartlesses, and just, like, they dive into the dream, and then they have to save her from the dream, but then she has to save herself from the dream, but then... But she can't, so she needs her own help to... She has to reunite with other sides of herself to become whole, to gain the power to wield two keyblades and beat the shit out of Trigon, but then the re... To really, truly defeat her anger, she has to accept her anger into her heart. Oh, yeah. it's so fucking good. She has to defeat Trigon so that it, like, manifests as just a, another raven with a red cloak. And this raven has the four eyes. Yes. It's very cool. It's uh, very cool. And then she absorbs him and she, like, absorbs all of the headmates and becomes, like, white cloak raven. Mm -hmm. I was going to say white raven, and that's, like, mm. no. But uh, her cloak turns white because they're all color-coded. And then she absorbs the the last one, which is red. And then she goes back to normal. Hmm. Um, it's good shit. It's good shit. Um, they go through a maze and they go through a field of flowers. And these things are uninteresting, which they should have been interesting. I, if I were the writers of the television show, I simply would have made those moments interesting. I wish this episode was a two-parter, and we got, like, a lot more interactions with the different sides yes. of Raven. That would have been really nice. There's also uh, a B-plot that's, like, even more minor in this episode. <laughs> it's not really a plot. It's, it's just not, a punchline. It's, it's just, just a kind joke. of a recurring it's, joke. Um, which is that, you know, the episode starts with uh, Beast Boy goes to apologize... Cyborg follows Beast Boy just to, like, make sure Beast Boy actually gives a good apology. And actually tries. Actually tries. Um, and <clears throat> this is after Raven has said, I want to be alone. And, like, Robin does not have anything to apologize for. So Robin... I think she tells Robin and Starfire she wants to be alone after they go into her head. Before she knows that they're in her head. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, she tells Robin and Starfire, I want to be left alone. Um, and so Robin's like, okay, I'm going to watch TV. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. <laughs> and Starfire is like, can we go help Ra Raven now? And Robin's like, no, she wants to be alone. And like throughout the episode, they just keep cutting back to. And it's shorter and shorter every time. <laughs> There's like the last one is like Starfire like slides into the frame, and before she says anything, Robin's like, no. <laughs> and his mouth is open, just watching TV, and he's like, no. And then just just keeps going back to watching. And TV. then the final time we cut to them is like. Starfire, like, about to knock on the door, but Robin's, like, pulling on her arm, but she's got super strength, yeah, she's so he's way not stronger doing than anything. anything. So he can't actually stop her. <laughs> he's really trying. <laughs> it's very cute. It's very cute how Robin just respects her wishes. Um, I've had a lot of friends over the years who are very, like, Starfire, who, like, want to go checking in on you when uh, you want to be left alone, and I really like that the show, like, Provides Robin being like, you can just leave someone alone when they say they want to be alone. Sometimes that's just what a person it. needs. Yeah. 
Um, like, that is just a good thing to show to kids. I don't think they're, like, explicitly saying Robin's definitely the right one here. I think it's just... Sure, it's, it's also, like, it's not a quality of strength to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also really liked the way... I really liked the way they per, uh, portrayed the anxious uh, Raven. Um, the mopey one? The, I don't think she's mopey. She's a little mopey, but it's mostly like... I guess that... Yeah, okay. Cyborg, first... Cyborg says timid. I would say anxiety. Yeah. You know, because like... Or insecure. Insecure. Because she's apologizing for everything she's, she's ever done. Yes. Said. Um, when When Beast Boy like snaps at her a little bit, she like... She can't stand up for herself. She, like, shrinks back into herself. Um, and, like, I was like, oh, this is, like... I don't know. I usually expect cartoons to, like, oversimplify anxiety. And this is definitely an oversimplification of anxiety. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, yeah, it's all, like... Definitely expect you to drag me or something right there, but... No, no, I wasn't <laughs> going to drag you. I was just... Oh, yeah, this is just all real <clears throat> shit that happens when you're anxious. Because mm-hmm. um, both yeah. you and I do all the behaviors that... Uh, uh-huh. And usually I expect anxiety to be portrayed as a much more negative thing, I guess. Of like, oh, it's bad to be anxious. Like, no, just sometimes you're anxious. You have this anxious side of yourself. And you also have the marine side. Yeah. <laughs> which you jokingly called a marine. And then yeah. three seconds later, Beast Boy said, and now you're a marine? Yeah, she says, she says like, which isn't quite like the marine thing, but it's close. And so I joked, she's a marine. And then like two seconds later, Beast Boy's like, you're a marine. <laughs> you're a marine, Harry. <laughs> you're a marine, Harry. What is that? <laughs> I was laying it on a little too thick. Is that a League of Legends character? You're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> I, I don't... Hmm. Anyway, if I tried to do Hagrid, it would just sound like Jeff Gersman's Duke Nukem impression. Um, so in the first, those yeah, Death I, Eater bastards are gonna pay for shooting up my ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better because I was just listening to an episode of the Shrieking Shack where they're complaining about in Order of the Phoenix. Uh-huh. Um, Harry is like acting like Rambo. Rambo, like <laughs> there's a bit in this chapter they read in the episode that I'm listening to where, like, they're all flying to the Ministry, and Harry hears something and turns around, and the line is, good, no bodies dropped, the girls must be safe. (laughs) (laughs) There's something like that. I'm on class rings right now, I'm trying to catch up. And so, it's really fucking funny that, like, (laughs) it's extremely funny to imagine... Harry is Duke Nukem. <laughs> I need to stop laughing so I can say this joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to stop laughing, but I gotta stop. <laughs> Shake it, dummy. <laughs> time to go Titans episode three. Shake it, Dobby. Okay. Yes. Do you have? I feel like I really dominated the conversation of this episode so far. Uh, it was a good episode. 
Can I can mm-hmm. I then go on a tangent a little bit? Yeah. It's still related to Teen Titans. I just wanted a tangent. I didn't want to like step on I don't you know. doing I could serious... talk about other stuff with this episode. I don't know that I have anything interesting to say. Just Oh. This episode resonates with my experiences with plurality that I don't usually talk about that much. Mm. I kind of do a little bit. Like, if you don't know, then you don't know. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know that I have anything interesting to say about that. So, I, I've actually... I would never... Two, I don't actually... Like, I said... I tweeted on, t- on Twitter, like, this is the Ravenous plural episode. Like, obviously, I'm not going to, like, ascribe those types of things to characters because they are definitely not. I would, I would never say... Oh, Raven is trans. Okay. Just because I, like, identify with her arc or whatever, like. Okay. But it, do- it is applicable. So I had I had two experience. tangents in mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. and um, it's <clears throat> almost as if you provided a perfect segue into one of those tangents. Someday someone will record a podcast and introduce a segue without <laughs> everyone else commenting. Oh, that was a great segue. <laughs> Someday, but not today. Um, this is a universal podcast bit. We all took. We have the universal skill tree that all <laughs> podcasts can do. One of them is segue jokes. The, One of them the is starting jokes. <laughs> the start of the sphere grid, in which all <laughs> podcasters are on. And like, it's some, a blue. It's a. It's a blue snowball. <laughs> anyway, um, so a thing I often find frustrating on Twitter.com uh huh, is when um. It's not as much in October 2019 because everybody's moved on, but... uh, Everybody's moved on to Code Geass. Yeah. When it came out a few months ago, uh, everyone was talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I was seeing a lot of trans readings of Shinji. Uh, when Neon Genesis Evangelion first came out <laughs> earlier this year for the first time. Every time you say that, there's like a weird like chirping noise. I don't know what what anime you're talking about. Uh, we broke the Chamber of God. <laughs> we did an entire we Evangelion did. We did. episode. But we hit it. Did we, we didn't call it. We didn't say in the description or like in the title that it was an Eva episode. Anyway, I often <clears throat> find trans readings of Shinji... Um, pretty thin uh, and unfounded. You know, cis people have shitty dads, too. Because it often seems based in um, Shinji uh, feels like he has to live up to uh, this masculine father of his... uh, Shinji feels like he has to live up to the image of masculinity that his father projects, specifically. Um, And, like... Because he rejects that in some ways, people uh, read Shinji as trans. And but that's also the facet of adulthood portrayed yeah. by his father, not just masculinity. Yeah. Like the way, I, yeah. I, sometimes those readings make me uncomfortable because <clears throat> it makes it seem like transness, like all trans people have issues with their dads, and because Shinji has issues with his dad, like... Therefore, he is trans, and I think it's wrong on both fronts. I think there are probably lots of trans people who are, like, trans women specifically who are fine with their dads, and I think um, there are lots of cis men who have this, the similar sorts of problems with their fathers um, who are not trans women, you know? Yeah, um, and that also, it's very polarizing language. Yeah, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes trans readings of Shinji just um, don't ring true to me seem like they're reaching 
all of this said, you might be wondering why I brought it up. Because Raven goes through the exact same sort of shit in this episode, and even more so in later seasons of the show, very much going through this exact same thing. And I watched this episode and was like, Raven, Raven's a trans girl. And then I thought about it, and I was saying Raven was a trans girl for the exact same reasons that other people say Shinji is a trans girl in ways that annoy me. I am no bet. I may I posit I, 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 the idea I, that Teen Titans is written better. That's true. The Neon Genesis Evangelion. This is true. <laughs> I would posit Teen Titans never betrayed me. <laughs> Yet. Teen Titans can never do how disgusting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if Robin ever jacks off to a sleeping starfire. We can't. <laughs> we cannot. I mean, look, Dick Grayson does does some dick moves in uh, in comics, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Uh but Teen, Titan, Teen Titans, the television show, will never betray me in the way that E. McKellen did. Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah. Uh... I did... I was just having fun reading Raven is Trans for yeah. this episode. I, There's not... There is nothing to it. I was doing it. the same thing with plurality, even though technically, in the objective reality of the plot, that is not what that is. Mm-hmm. But it's basically that, and it's applicable enough that it doesn't really matter. There's also a thing where, um, because, like, I don't know a way to say this that's not an extremely loaded term. Because, like, because Evangelion is, like, trying to be, like, high art, you know? <laughs> See, I can't... <laughs> because Evangelion it's is... Trying to be serious? Because Evangelion is trying to be serious, because Evangelion is trying very intentionally to be a great show, you know? I think <laughs> Evangelion really thinks that Evangelion is good. <sighs> or is, at the very least, trying to be very good. Evangelion is trying to get you to think about the nature I, of humanity. I think that... That only holds true for the original series. Fair. I don't even think Rebuild thinks that it's good. Fair. I don't think Rebuild... <sighs> Whatever. Anyway. Because of that, I feel like if I want to do a trans reading of Shinji, I really have to just, like, really lay it out really well <clears> and, <throat> like really understand a lot of things about the show and mm -hmm. about myself. If I just want to be like, oh, Raven's a little bit like me, I'm going to point at her and say Raven is trans now. <laughs> I feel like that's just a much less, like, loaded thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just like, Raven's trans. I've decided it. Anyway. Uh, yeah. It's basically the same with plurality, except I have a stronger argument. You do. I have more. <laughs> I have more substance in this episode to work with than you do. But you know. Can I now? Can I make a joke reading of a character? Okay. Um, Tell me how Raven is an objectivist. No. <laughs> Beast Boy. Oh. Has feminist in his Twitter bio. <laughs> does he say me feminist or does he say male feminist? 
I, I don't know the sort of person who puts male feminist in his Twitter bio. Does he say male pronouns? Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, Beast Boy gets into your DMs. A little to, bit of a boundary genius. A little bit of a boundary genius gets into your DMs to say, hey, I really liked that thread you did the other day. I really learned a lot. We should hang out sometime. And like... Talks to you about feminism. This is also how Beast Boy acted in Judas Contract. This is also how Beast Boy acted in the other episode where he wouldn't apologize to Starfire. Uh-huh. Um, but did cat eyes, and so I expected her. Beast Boy is a soft boy. Or. Or. But he, you know, the, he doesn't eat. He doesn't. The, the joke I made mm-hmm. in the in the early part of episode five, because he's eating a bunch of tofu, is the Beast Boy is a soy boy. <laughs> But he's not. No. He's a soft boy. He's a soft boy. He's um, a hope punk. Because Beast Boy is gonna go knock on a woman's door to apologize for acting so immaturely, but the real reason he's going to apologize is to make himself feel better, so then his other male friend has to go follow him and make sure that he actually gives a good apology. But no one's going to ever expect Beast Boy he, to get better because he's just like this. He doesn't do it to feel better. He does it out of obligation. Yes. Because he's not invested in the emotions of the person he's but apologizing Beast, to. But Beast Boy is willing to learn, so... I feel like now we're just pulling in other stuff into this joke. Uh, okay. Should I go ahead? No. Okay. Um, but yeah. Beast Boy is annoying and uh, reads differently in 2019 than in 20, uh, 2003, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 2003, Gundam 2003. <laughs> it almost feels like a Mega Man year. Yeah. It Speaking almost of Dr. Light. Fe- yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. It's just like Beast Boy sucks a little bit. Yeah. I don't remember almost, ever liking Beast Boy. Except- it almost feels like Beast Boy is a very specific model of masculinity that a bunch of people maybe saw in their, like, preteen years in 2003 and then acted out on Twitter years later. Mm. I'm not saying Beast Boy is the only boy on it. I think there were a lot of boys on TV who were like this in 2003 and probably is a big part of why there are grown men like this now. Mm. Sure. Yeah, sucks. I am a little more sympathetic to Beast Boy than you are because... He is a fictional character, and so he has sure. not done any of the bad things that I might project onto him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not that antagonistic toward Beast Boy. Okay. You say you've never liked Beast Boy. I say, As a kid, when I was watching the show, I never particularly liked Beast Boy. Okay, okay. I like Beast Boy, but I, I, I like him, whereas I think I love all the other characters. He's, he's present in the show. I never liked Beast mm-hmm. Boy. I liked, I liked Cyborg. Mm-hmm. He's not my favorite. He's not close to my favorite. But he, he's he's cool. He's in there. I like him. Yeah. I didn't actively like Beast Boy. Of course, I loved Raven, Starfire, and Robin. Yes. Um. But yeah, there's like three tiers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um. Oh. Even Robin, I didn't like a lot until later on in 
Fuck, I just remembered I have to do the fucking TV tropes for this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull up the email real quick just to see if we got any emails, but I don't believe we did. I don't have... Oh, there it is. Um, and while I wait for this email to load... Yep, and, no emails. Um, I'm just going to start reading. <clears throat> Shorter page than the last one. Hopefully. Fuck. Tropes. Actually pretty funny. Pink Raven laughs at Beast Boy's joke about air fresheners. That make, then makes a comment implying how, this is how she views most of his remarks, even if she doesn't laugh out loud at them. All your powers combined, Raven beats Trigon by combining all the aspects of her personality. Apologizes a lot, Grey Raven, as she and the other two navigate the maze, she apparently spends the time apologizing for her every little slight and insult she made against them. Both grow tired of this eventually. Battle in the center of the mind, Raven fights Trigon, or rather her personal rage, in the form of her father within her mental world. Boisterous Bruiser, Green Raven is much more gung-ho than Standard Raven. You expect her to join Cyborg in a booyah. But monkey. <laughs> this episode sets the trend of Dr. Light being put up against the Teen Titans only to have his ass handed to him. I guess he does show up later. <laughs> Good. I definitely... I'm not going to reread Identity Crisis for this show. No. Anyway. Chekhov's gunman. Trigon does not appear in the series proper again until season four where he is the big bad. Big, big bad, bad is a trope. trope. <laughs> Color-coded for your convenience, Raven's alter egos wear cloaks of different colors that match up with the emotion they represent. Curb-stomp battle. Zigzagged. Dr. Light was introduced to be subjected to be subjected to these frequently, but actually holds his own against the Titans. Then Raven comes up to bat. That's another trope. I will hover over this link just to see what it is. No, oh, we're not going to talk about that. If you want to go to the tropes page you can find out what that trope links out to i bet, not the, going to I bet the header here. image on that page is oscar yeah i bet i bet it is dark is evil the episode toes the line between these and dark is not e evil <laughs> those are both tropes dark is evil or not evil on the one hand, Raven must be careful to keep her dark side in balance. On the other side, she learns not to hide it from the others and from herself. Doting parent, Robin and Starfire play the parental substitute. That's a trope. Variety, when Raven shut herself in the room, Starfire plays the role of the worried mother trope who wants to see how Raven's doing, while Robin plays the father who prefers to give her own space. Plays for laughs, mostly. Sorry, the mother trope is my beloved smother? TV tropes is misogynist. <laughs> what? Early installment weirdness, the Trigon figment in Raven's mind has very different vocal characterization and design than the real one. Later on, he's played by... I'm going to be honest with you and just say I don't know how to say this person's name. Keith Siarbaka, whose voice is much less deep and his eyes are, are yellow instead of red, along with lacking the horns iconic to the character. Genki Girl... Pink Raven is giggly and happy. She even laughs at Beast Boy's jokes. I don't know what this trope is, but I'm going to guess it's a slightly uh, racist, like, Japanese fetishization thing. Just feels that way. I don't know. You know Riku from Final Fantasy X? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Going in circles with conversation cut twist. A dissolve <clears throat> suddenly takes Cyborg and Beast Boy back to the place they landed after... Falling through Raven's magic mirror. Magic mirror is a trope. Uh-huh. You know that, you know, 
where the, the Mickey in the magical mirror <laughs> for the GameCube. Maybe you've heard of it. You haven't heard of it. Gravity Screw. I have because you told me about it purely because it was on the GameCube. Despite <laughs> the fact that Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2 are probably better video games. Almost certainly. Those are uh, Kingdom Hearts prequels. Gravity Screw, Pink Raven, standing upside down, ask, what's up? Then the scene flips, making Cyborg and Beast Boy fall. Hot-blooded, Green Raven is the opposite of Raven's dry apathy by being more passionate. She is not the opposite of Raven because she is one aspect of Raven. None of these are the opposite of Raven. <laughs> they are components to her. Mm-hmm. Literal split personality. I'm sure that's not a problematic tropes page. Plays with this. With Raven having seven altars that... I'm going to rewrite this sentence in real time here. That's a phrase people use. With Raven having seven alter egos that represent her emotions. Some people use that, but that is... Generally, I specifically like multiplicity term. Anyway. There's, look. Oh, good. We do get this trope that we didn't want to say out loud. I will say there's like a billion different words that people use for pl plurality, and like it's a very subjective thing. So, like. Okay. Lots of, I'm sorry. There's lo no, it's fine. Okay. You don't need to apologize for it. I'm just clarifying that like there's lots of different words that people use. Uh, and we've really postponed. I didn't want to say this phrase out loud, but I guess I have to now. I mean, do you have to? You, no, you insisted that I read every TV Tropes oh, page to I didn't to think that we would get this page to come up, though. I don't know how you thought we would get through an entire TV show without this. Raven subjects Dr. Light to something terrifying in the pocket dimension inside her cloak. He emerges battered, shell-shocked, and develops a phobia of her afterward. You know what's cool? Is I joked that that bit where she um, messes up Dr. Light real good... I joked that that was going to be, that was a Mimikyu thing, so I guarantee you that if you go to the Pokemon TV Tropes uh -huh. page, somewhere, you will find, yeah. in Pokemon Tropes, yeah. this. Anyway. Shrinking Violet, Grey Raven is shy, passive, and lacks the dry snark of Raven. Slasher smile, Raven displays one, while doing things to Dr. Light because it shows her inner demon. The, TV Troops was bad. TV is Troops, bad. Uh, was Not it, was bad. Was a bad is decision. Bad. Was a bad decision. TV Troops was a mistake. Hayao Miyazaki 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Smart people wear glasses. Yellow Raven is their intellectual That's, side. That doesn't speak. That, that character is not given lines. You are applying that aspect to that character based purely on archetypical coding. You don't actually have any reason to suspect that. That could be her horny side. <laughs> Sugar and Ice personality. This episode explores the sides of Raven's personality. She actually has a lot of emotion, different kinds of emotion, and cares more about her friends than she lets on. Sugar Bowl, between all the nightmarish landscapes that Beast Boy and Cyborg run into, is one of these. It comes complete with floating strawberries. Beast Boy quips, this must be where the air fresheners come from. What happens to the mouse? Oh, I don't know what that <laughs> trope is. <laughs> the four-eyed raven does not appear again in the TV show, even when season four provides many opportunities. She does, however, appear in the tie-in comic. We should read those. Yeah. They're probably not as nearly as good, but we should read them anyway. Yeah. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Raven warns Dr. Light not to make her angry. I'm really glad that they did not include a certain <laughs> uh <-huh>. phrase. <laughs> <clears throat> so that 
was the TV tropes for this episode. We did not get any emails. I'm going to check if we got any tweets, but I don't believe we did. Um, my back's hurting. <laughs> Listeners, for context on this episode, um, uh, we were planning on watching the episode today and then recording tomorrow. We were so excited after episode six that we um, decided to go re- record right now. Just because episode six is really fucking good. If you watch one episode, maybe watch Nevermore. Uh, it doesn't look like we got any tweets. So nope. And no emails. Uh, so, Nora, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora and at Zoe underscore Mars. Zoe with an X. Uh, yeah. Find my poetry on Medium at medium.com slash at Zoe Mars, no underscore. Uh, you find me on Twitter at Allison underscore coffee. Um, there you will find a link to our Patreon at exportodd.io. You will find this pa- podcast at exportodd.io. No, you won't find this podcast there. Exportodd.io slash exportaudio goes to export audio. Mm-hmm. On the last episode of Export Audio, <laughs> which we have recorded but not released yet, mm-hmm. you say that by the time that this podcast goes up, I will make exportodd.io slash titans uh-huh. a thing that exists. Uh-huh. I haven't done that yet. Not going to do it tonight. Um, sooner or later, exportodd.io slash titans will exist, and that will be just an easy link to get to this, the feed for this specifically. Um... You have a new podcast coming out soon on the Export Audio Podcast Network called The Cower Hour, made with Briar Sovereign. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be about horror movies. This week, I'm recording another episode of No Look Pass, our comedy basketball podcast featuring Regression and um, uh, Riley Hopkins. No, I just <laughs> ran out of breath, that's oh, okay. all. <laughs> I did not like... <laughs> forget who Riley Hopkins is. I was thinking the word Riley Hopkins, but just stammering. <laughs> Uh, you have, like, three podcasts you're recording soon. I am also, uh, two days from now, uh, the day that this will ideally go into the public Patreon feed, um, uh, be recording And Then an Aeroplane, um, our Ghibli podcast that I do with M, not our Ghibli podcast, Abnormal Mapping's Ghibli podcast that I do with M, but also it's our podcast, I don't know. Anyway, we're watching My Neighbor Totoro, which I will just, a little preview for that podcast, really caught me off guard as being... One of the most distressing movies I've ever seen. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's Autumn here from the editing room. Uh, there was about three more minutes of the podcast. Uh, don't know where they went. We recorded it last night. I'm editing it about 12 hours later. They were. I thought they recorded last night, but I guess those last three minutes just didn't get saved or something? It's a very weird thing that's happened to us today. But, uh... We were just doing plugs. We kind of finished it. Uh... Just putting something in so that the ending isn't as weird. Uh, catch all our other podcasts. We love you. Time to go, Titans. Take your dreadful comic books with you. No! No!